Happy New Year and welcome to Horizon 607. This is the podcast where we talk all things horror and bring you the week's biggest horror movie news. We are back at it. It is New Year's. And again, we have another special, like like last week, this is more of a special, special episode. This week we will be simply reviewing, there's no news, we're just going to be reviewing Scream 2, another one of the all-time great sequels of all time here. Can't do any of that, though, without first introducing the gentleman that's sitting just to my right, and there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that he is more famous for than his New Year's Eve impersonation of Baby New Year. He's rich. That's right. I am currently, if when you guys are hearing this, I am currently in Atlantic City, New Jersey, in my diaper. In your diaper. Now, I'm really not in a diaper, but I, I will be, when you guys hear this, I am going to be in Atlantic City, New Jersey, uh, celebrating the new year with uh, GCW Wrestling. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully you guys are having as much fun as I'm having this weekend, because this is going to be coming out on the first of the year. So this is literally... The first episode of Horror Zone 607 of the new year for you people. So I can't wait. And of course, we are continuing Stabathon because we are leading into the greatness that is going to be Scream 5. That's right. I said it. I don't regret it. You are so wrong. Scream 2022. It's but Scream still, 2022. It's Scream 5. There is no such it. thing as Scream 5. We're going to argue about this the entire Stabathon, <laughs> but that's okay because I'm ready to have that fight. I'm ready to have it. This is also going to be the movie coming up where we find out that Stu Mocker is still alive. Ah, there's a lot of things going on. But between before we get there, of course, we did Scream last week. Wishing everybody a happy holidays. And of course, now wishing a happy new year. We're bringing it in with Scream 2. But before we can do that, I think we got to give these fun folks a nice little musical intro, shall we? Let's do it. This song can only mean one thing. It is time to talk some Scream Part 2. Dos. Scream 2. That is right. And, of course, uh, let's just jump right into the uh, stats here. Scream 2 was released originally on December 10th, 1997 in Hollywood. December 12th, 1997 uh, to the wide release. Of course, a year almost to the day after the original. Yeah. Like, like it's about 10 days off because I think December, yeah, December 20th. 20th was when the first one came out. Yeah, so this is a year almost to the day of the original movie. That's how well the original movie did that they were ready to make that quick turnaround. Scream 2 was distributed by Dimension Films once again in production of Conrad Pictures and Craven Madalena Films. So he had his own studio by this time. Uh, of course, uh, it was uh, produced by Wes Craven, Kathy Conrad, and Marianne Ma- Madalena Characters were based by Kevin Williamson. This movie also written by Kevin Williamson and also directed by the late, great, legendary Wes Craven. Cinematography on this film, this is where it changes. Peter Deming is the cinematographer on this film. He was not the cinematographer on the original. Uh, Patrick Lucher is back in the editing and Marco Beltrami is back in the music doing the score for this film. Now that I'm not going to forget it this week, uh, the budget of Scream 2 was $24 million. And it made a box office of $172.4 million, surpassing the original. 
Uh, actually, just under. Oh, is it just under? One seventy three is what the first one made with a fifteen dollar, oh, fourteen okay. to fifteen million dollar right. budget. I thought, so that, I thought it would beat it, but it's still close barely, enough. Close just enough. underneath, close enough. It Which does. surprises me because this was such a huge, huge. This was success. a gigantic success, and of course, this movie stars. Well, all of our favorites are back first and foremost. So we get back Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Jamie Kennedy. And then we are joined by a new casting crew. How about that one? Because uh, included in, well, also Leave Schreiber, you can say, is making yes. a return. Leif Only this time, he's, this time he's actually in the movie proper. But we uh, also add Kevin Williamson himself is in this movie. As I know. One of an interview. I just want to point that out. Sarah Michelle, Sarah Michelle Geller is in this film playing Cece. Uh, we also have Timothy Oliphant, Jerry O'Connor. Lori Metcalf, Jada Pinkett Smith, Elise Neal, Omar Epps, and many more in this film. Talk about a cast. Yeah. Once again, Rebecca young cast. Gayhart, Portia de Rossi, Tori Spelling, and Luke Wilson. Yeah, I forgot the Tori. Yeah, because they do the uh, they do the Keeping stab, the, the first stab. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. Which is funny because they're talking about in the first scream, you know, talking about who would play them in a movie. Well, then, my luck, it would be they'd cast Tori Spelling. Yes. And sure enough, sure that's enough. what happens. Yes. Yes. So... This this movie takes place, I, I do believe, in real time. I do believe it's a year later. One year later. One year later. Now the seniors in high school are now freshmen at, at Windsor College. Windsor College. So we're still in a small town. Not Woodsboro anymore. Still in a small town. Uh, because it's not... I, I get a feeling that Windsor College is not located in a big town. Because it's got that nice small town Main Street. Because the opening of this movie is everybody going to see Stab at the local theater. Yes. And a big student body. They're giving out free ghost face. Glow-in-the-dark mask, ghost face mask. And they, uh, we have this wonderful moment because they are watching Stab. Stab is inspired by Scream, of course, by the book, The Woodsboro Murders, written by Gail Weathers. <laughs> yes. Who has now benefited off of the uh, crimes of the first. And, of course, just like the original, it's a whodunit because... People start to die. People start to die quickly and throughout this movie. Um, we'll get to like some of the differences in a minute to make these movies different, but let's talk about opening scenes. Let's just go in on it. The opening scene, once again, we have movie stars dying because Omar Epps, who was big at the time, was big at the time in a lot of movies. Jada Pinkett Smith was big at the time. In a lot of movies, still is. She still, still is. She still is. But her career was really taking off at that point. Yeah. And they both are in the opening scene as a couple who goes to the movie. And uh, the weirdest kill of El- probably the Scream franchise with the uh, Omar Epps death in the bathroom. Somebody in the next stall is making sounds. Mike, can you make a similar sound? Yes. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I always thought that that was kind of an homage to Black Christmas. Maybe. I don't. Yeah. I don't think he was saying anything audible, but it kind yeah, of always really to me thought. I always assumed that it was Here, like I'm kind sorry, of like mommy, I'm sorry, yeah, 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 sorry, I, yeah. I kind of assumed that it was kind of an homage to that. Yeah. But he puts his face up against the stall, which I have never done in a men's room ever in my life. I just want to throw this. Out. I don't know about you, Mike. <laughs> see, I don't put my face next to stalls, especially if I hear noises from the other stall. And he receives a knife through the face for his problems. I also want to point out how the. Did the killer know where his face was? Like this is one, That's of, the one of the big problems I have with this movie. Me. Yeah, like how would he know that? First of all, how would he have known that he was going to be going into that stall because he was already in there when Omar Epps walks into yes. the bathroom? Second of all, anybody else could have been in there, right? But were they just going to well, kill I anybody? Ready for this? I guess it wasn't a targeted one then. Yeah, it was because it's a copycat. I was going to get to that in a minute, but at the time when we know of the movie now. Is it wasn't targeted. We don't think, right? Right. So then he gets, but we find out very soon that it is. And then it's, 
all of a sudden he gets he gets stabbed in the face once again a whole wall you know we all know what a bathroom divider looks like how do you know where the guy it, first of all how can you guess the person's going to put their face against it secondly if they do how do you guess the perfect spot to have the knife go right through his cheek into his mouth yeah so anyways the moral of the story he strips him out of his uh leather jacket and he returns to the seat next to his girlfriend by the way knows who the man's girlfriend is. Once again, we find out later why this is known. Mm -hmm. But at the time, we're like, he just guessed. Like, yeah. like it's not like, because like, I've heard the argument, which is a dumb argument, and I'm going to defunct it now. It's because he just looked for the black lady. And I'm like, no, there was other black people in that theater. Like, and how would you know? Maybe he's dating a white chick. Like, we don't know. Right. We don't know. But anyways, he returns to the seat. And of course, he then starts, uh, very shortly later, she discovers, she puts her arm around him, discovers there's blood. He looks at her. She looks at When she goes to get away, he just starts stabbing the shit out right of her. Right in the stomach. And of course, she crawls up on the screen and does the theatrical, ah! like one of the cheesiest moments of movie history. Yeah. So rating this right up against the original opening, yeah, nah. It's, it's, it's not as good. more glorious, bigger production than the first one agreed but it falls a little flat it falls away flat in my opinion but <laughs> uh, and i'm not saying this uh, we'll get to better parts of this movie but i feel like that portion of this movie i'm just like uh, especially when you rewatch it like I, I remember the first time i saw it i was all pumped because i was just ready to see another screen film yeah we just talked about it last week after that film that was one of those films where you wanted a franchise you want another movie yeah. a year later my thirst gets satiated because we get a second movie and you're like yes but like, so at the time I remember really liking this and not questioning it by upon me, like watching it multiple times. Cause I've, I'm going to be honest. I've seen all the screen movies, probably a piece, at least a hundred times each. That's I, easily. Yeah. I'm right there too. Cause I'm a huge fan and I have them on box sets. I have multiple box sets, DVD ones, Blu-ray ones. Like, let's be honest. I I'm a fan. So I'm like the, the more I've seen it, I went through all of them with my kid a couple years ago. We talked about it on the show mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm literally like. Every time I see it, I'm like, fuck, that is like the worst plot holes in the history of man. But it gets better, I promise. So that brings us into like the good, the bad, ugly. We're not going to break down the whole film. We're just going to do the, the beginning and the end, as we said. And then we'll pick out spots for good, the bad, and the ugly. This movie, I'm going to say, does have some more detractions than the original. But I also would, I, I want to say that I think that the positives outweigh the negatives here as well. I agree. So let's just kind of go through. Let's do some positives of the film, and then we'll talk about the detractions. Uh, once again, atmosphere is great. They still stayed true to the small town. Like, you feel claustrophobic. Most of this takes place on a, on a college campus. Yes. And what does, that's the only place that really takes place in town other than a small part later on, which we're right. going to that's in the build to the end of the movie. But mostly on the college campus is where this takes place. Uh, so it's very claustrophobic. I like the setting because this is one of the few movies in any horror movie that has daytime kills. Yeah. There is multiple yeah. daytime kills in this movie, which I thought was ingenious because when do you feel safe, especially one, in a horror film? One in broad daylight. In, in the front middle of, of public. A, yeah. There's hundreds of kids in the quad. There's hundreds of kids. <laughs> And yeah, they do it right in there. the middle of public. We'll talk about that in just one second because that, that's a positive of this film. There's a well-placed boom box that Oh, my God. That. So so right off the bat, we get back to our, you know, it's it's our friend, Ghostface. We get the calls. Hello, Sydney. Like very, very on point, very liking it. But now, like when we get the new class, the class is in film study. I love how all of them have gone into film. Yeah. Like <laughs> Sydney's in, into theater. 
Yeah. But everybody has the same film studies classes. Randy's in it. The new Sydney's character. Sydney's not in it. No, Sydney's not in it. But Randy all, the is, other, all the other characters that we meet in this movie besides Sydney, because she's, once again, she's too good. She's in theater. And uh, because she's in theater, she's not in it. But like you have Randy's in it. Of course, uh, Timothy Oliphant, who plays Mickey, he's in the class. Sarah Michelle Geller's character, Cece, is in the class. And one of the first things I love the arguments that they get into is sequels. Yeah. That is a thing in their class. They're talking about sequels. And in film class, you would talk about this. And I love how they're all like uh, start arguing like there's never been a great sequel. And of course, Mickey goes godfather part two and of course jamie kenny gets real mad he's like ah oh no that's a saga it's a trilogy like there's no there's that's not a sequel a sequel is a sequel is when you would do a second movie that's just based on it, and there's a little tendency a trilogy means it's a whole story that takes place over time hmm. and i'm like oh that is foreshadowing by the way yes it is in a big bad way because they already knew at this point in juncture what they were going to do with the franchise which we would find out later once again that's why there's multiple weeks of this so uh, they're having that argument, and, and it's kind of funny because I always thought it was uh, having like watched Evenings with Kevin Smith when he's talking about film study, and he's like, I hated being in film class when I was in it. That's why I quit school, the film school he was at. He was like, because I don't need some guy in Canada telling me how Deming felt when he was writing you know, a movie, and it's like in, in Science of the Lambs. And I'm like, he's not wrong. You don't right. need, like that's what film studies classes are, is you're like, well, you know, I think that uh, what they were trying to portray. But I, I love the argument about, Sequels, because we've all had that argument. Like, there's very few sequels that are better than the original, even if even on par. But a trilogy is definitely a different thing. Because Godfather 2 is always, or Empire Strikes Back, is always what people point to. And they're both second movies in a trilogy. Right, right. So, with that being said, foreshadow. Ha-ha. We know the killer's back. He starts picking off more people. They're at a frat party. And Cece, well, Cece stays home as the sorority, good sorority sister. You want to die tonight, Cece. I love that line, by the way. That is great. By the way, one of the best parts about that death scene in particular, and that's why I'm saying that I love, that this is why it's a positive. She's the one that's set back to be the DD for any of the sorority sisters or anybody else. She was the responsible one. She was devoted to the responsible one. She doesn't like the job because who doesn't want to go on a party? But yet she still does it and she pays for it. Like she is the first victim in the Scream movies who actually... Was a good person. Yeah. Like, did, was not breaking any of the movie rules. Right. She was being herself, although she did run upstairs like a like like every dumbass in a horror right. movie. But anyways. And again, it was targeted. It was targeted. They all are targeted. They're all targeted. We find this out later on, and I'll let you get to because I know that's probably one of your shiny parts of the end when we get to the finish. Uh, at the same time, we get one of our first public killings, too, because Ghostface shows up at a fucking party. Yeah, a full-on frat party, and Ghostface is there. And no, sorry, he doesn't kill anybody, but he cuts. Uh, what's his name's arm? Uh, uh, Jerry McConnell. Uh, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry, McC- Jerry O'Connell's uh, was Derek. Yes, so he cuts Derek's arm. Remember, this is what leads to everybody the red herring. Yeah. They start to lead out that maybe, maybe once again, Sydney, your boyfriend, and even Ghostface plays that game. Yeah, with her on one of the phone calls. Ghostface is like, you know, last time with your boyfriend, maybe it's the same. Like Ghostface is fucking with her, and I loved it. Right. Uh, once again, we're back in the whodunit realm, hence why it's my positive. That's why I may have brought it up. And then we get to, you know, and I'm not going in order. And one other positive, because we brought it up, the pu- very public killing of Randy. 
<laughs> and I yeah. love how the callback at the end goes. Randy dies out of a fit of fucking rage. Yes. Because he's like, you know what? Because Stu and Billy Loomis were a bunch of pussies. They're bitches. Fuck them. They're psychopaths. They shouldn't whatever. He just goes in on the insults. And all of a sudden, Ghostface pulls him into a fucking van. Gail Weathers' van, no and less. And butchers him. Yeah. Butchers him. It's Gail's news van. By the way, the, the aftermath of that is crazy. Even I love like seeing the kill from the rear view mirror and the blood splattering. Mm-hmm. Such a great Smashes kill. him up against one of the side windows. Yeah, and, and there's people walking by and you can see the van moving. Yeah. And but nobody does anything. They're like dancing and playing a, boom on a boombox. Yeah. So good. Yep. Such a good fucking scene. Uh, one of my only other positives. But also heartbreaking at the it same is. time. It is. Because you don't see that one coming. You love that character. We all love that character. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but of course, like I said, atmosphere, music's on cue. All of these are my positives. One more positive because we're not talking about the ending until the end. My only last positive before the end of the movie is, of course, the I think I love you giving her his frat pin scene because I think it's hilarious. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. A call back to Top Gun. And yes. I can't, I, I love it. But that's just me. Uh, Mike C, what are you, what are your some of your pauses adding on to those and everything else that you want to throw in there? I mean, the kills are amazing. Yeah, the kills are great. Um, you know, it keeps in the same spirit as the original. Obviously, you know, between just the casting, the kills, the story, everything is very similar to what they started with the first movie. It's very tongue in cheek. It's self aware, meta as as everybody would say. Um, you know, it's it it just carries that on. You know, it's it's a perfect sequel, really, when you think about it. It is. I agree with you. Tone wise, anyway. Tone wise, yeah. Um, so, uh, once we get to the end of it, the reveal, the, the one reveal I think is kind of like, I get it. The other reveal I think is brilliant. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. And we will get, get to that. that. Uh, is that up for your positives? Yeah. Cause I mean, there's not really much more yeah, I have except to add that, because, you know, kills atmosphere. Everything's good. The tone of it. We get the whodunit. Like yeah. in the original, it's really good. They do a good job of the red herrings. The first movie. We, basically. Right, right. we get the good re- her- the red herrings. I'm enjoying it. We get some like the, the pot. You but, even get a red herring when Randy and, and uh, Dewey are sitting down. In yeah. like a, I think it's a Dunkin Donuts or something. They're sitting there. And they kind of accuse each other. Yeah. Well, if I'm the killer, you're the killer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a really good scene and it's fun. Uh, I also want to bring up, uh, we're going into negatives here. And, and, and once again, it's going to be more of a nitpicky thing, but some of them are plot holes because there is a, unfortunately, because of the protecting of the ending, which we'll go into after the negatives. I want to go into that purposely after the endings and break it down because I think these movies are strong in their openings and their endings the best. And then everything else is the good, the bad, the ugly in between. You know what I mean? And I think because they tried to protect the reveal. That's one of the things in this movie that I didn't like about the original, that I like better in the original. No time in the original did they ever really give plot armor to the reveal. In this movie, I feel like there's a couple things when you, at the end of the movie, when you find out, you're like, oh shit, it was plot armor for the reveal. Right. I.e., we have the only other scene in town, really, when Sydney and one of her classmates is being driven to the safe house. Yeah. And Ghostface strikes, the car crashes, or Ghostface strikes, kills the, the cops, car ends up crashed, he almost gets impaled, but doesn't, but he's knocked out. Ghostface, I'm talking. The other cop ends up getting impaled. The other cop gets impaled. Right through his head. So then they have to break the, the screening between the two things and climb over Ghostface to get out of the car, which they do, and it's a great suspense. I love that yeah. part. Great That might suspense. be the most suspenseful scene in the entire series. It, yes. But here comes the fucked up part, and this is fucking plot armor. Right after they get out of the car, he's gone. Ghostface is gone. 
Yep. But somehow shows up like a hundred feet away behind to, them to kill the friend. Yeah. Somehow in an instant, like not, there's not enough time. And some people are, well, the two killers. Okay. So what happened to the one that was in the, the serious car accident? Right. Like the car accident killed somebody. The car, so, he's so fucked up. He can't grab them in the car. So explain to me this, how that doesn't work. Once again, it's plot armor to hide the reveal is what you end up going with. Right. The same thing that there's a couple scenes with the Jerry O'Connell character where they're teasing him as the red herring that are really just plot armor for where we're going to go. Right. I would agree with that. So let's go to the end of the movie, Mike C, because I think that those the only real problems in this movie some plots, unless you want to add to it. There's Sorry. a couple. I mean, again, the the opening scene, I think, you know, there's, there's the plot hole there. We've already talked about that. Um, in terms of the cinematography of it you said there's a different cinematographer in this movie than the first one and i think that that shows um i don't think that it's quite as atmospheric it's not not that it's bad i'm not you know i'm not dumping on it by any means here i think it still looks good and i still really enjoy this movie um i just don't think that it looks quite as good as the as the original movie the setting isn't quite as good as what we get for woodsboro it's logical this the next step they Mm -hmm. took with the movie i just I don't know. There's there's just something there's about some, it where I just don't find it to be quite as cinematic course, as the first movie. I think is that, sh- that, if that's the right word for it. We also forgot that it's one of the things that's really good in this movie is they set up the red herring of Cotton Weary. Yes. Liev Schreiber is out of prison. He's on campus. He's, he's trying, real weird. He's, try, he's really weird because we find out later on he is being honest. He's just trying to get, like, he thinks that Sydney owes him. So he wants her to sign to do an interview with him. With Diane so, Sawyer. So he can make a shit ton of money. Yes, he wants to profit off of it. And he's like, you owe me this. Yeah. So he gets very, you know, like, he's fiddled. aggressive. So the, you really do believe that this motherfucker is the red herring. Oh, like, yeah. He's one of the best red herrings of all time. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, this dude's fucking snapped. Like he went to prison for a crime he didn't commit and he stabbed. Yeah, that's that's what we're thinking. But I forgot to mention that. And I thought he was, was on really... death row. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Until they pardoned him because of obviously the Billy right. <laughs> Billy Loomis being caught and killed. Right. <laughs> Anyways, let's go to the finish though. So at the finish of the movie, we are led to believe that this is probably Jerry O'Connell for a while. We're led to believe this possibly is Cotton Weary. And no, a great no, setting for this. By the way, they have the, movie, the theater. Yeah, not the movie. The, the, uh, the theater. The theater where her production is yeah, taking stage. place. The stage theater, yes. And of course, we get the reveal of the first killer. Because <laughs> once again, we have two. Let's, let's just start off. Right. We all know. It's, well, you Very know, Stumacher-like. So the first killer who gets revealed is Mickey. It's Mickey. And he's the crazy... Film, film student. student. And that's how it's explained. Basically, he explains himself on saying he did it because he wanted to make a movie. So he's been filming. Right. He's been filming because earlier in the movie, we see some footage from Randy's death or, or the led to Randy's death and some other things. He's been filming the murders. Right. So in his head, he is making a movie. But he's the one that's also got the copycat killer. Right. He's, he's the he's one also, that's killing people. Right. You got Cece. Which is her real name is Casey. Yes. Casey Becker. Yep. You had Maureen in the theater in the opening scene. Yep. Maureen Prescott. Um the uh her boyfriend played by Omar Epps was uh Steve something or yep, other. Steve in the Steve first Orth movie. Steve yeah. in the first movie. Right, right, so right. So he's the so one that was using. So that. he's doing a director, the copycat thing. He's making a movie in his head. But you find out he's not the director shortly. Correct. <laughs> because we get the other reveal. Which is the brilliant reveal in my opinion. I agree with you. So the other reveal is throughout the movie, there is this side journalist character. Debbie Saul. That's right. Who keeps running into Gail Weathers. 
at opportune times, including the build to the final scene. Because remember, she tells her to go call the police. Gail Caesar. And- Gail Dewey gets. Pres- it's it's presumed that, that Dewey is murdered. Yes, they're inside Dewey's of one of the um, soundstage kind of. No, well, no, they're in a the class. They're class. they're in a school building, and they happen to be like in a film class, whatever. And that's where Ghostface strikes, tries to attack them. They end up in some sort of like a studio. Yeah, it's soundproof studio type thing. And Ghostface is chasing after Gail, and Dewey shows up. Dewey had fallen down some steps like a klutz that he was yeah. and knocked himself out. And he comes looking for Gail and Ghostface comes up behind, stabs him in the back several times, leaves him for dead. We're under the assumption he's dead. Um, Gail runs. She hides in the room. She locks herself in the room. Ghostface disappears. She's in there for we don't know how X amount of time. She finally comes out and runs into Cotton in the hallway. And he's got blood all over his hands. And he tries to say, I found Dewey. And she runs from Cotton because she, she thinks Cotton. Cotton's done it. Right. She gets outside of this class build, this this building. And Debbie Salt is on a telephone calling in a story or so we think. Yeah. And she's like, call the police. Yeah. Call the police. Cotton Weary killed somebody. Right. Because like, she's cotton blaming weary. Cotton. It's Cotton Weary. It's right. fucking Cotton Weary. Cotton Weary? And she, that's what Debbie, you know, whatever. Yeah. So now we find out <gasps> that Debbie isn't who we think she is. No, but the setup of this is great because we got... Go ahead. We, go. I want to give the. I want to talk uh, about like, this one. I want to let it breathe. I want to no, talk about ahead. this one because I love the way that they set this up. So we're still in the theater. Mickey reveals himself. He's got Derek... Derek was tied up by his uh, frat brothers for giving away his pin. And he comes down. He's unconscious. He's drunk. He's up on this thing that looks like a cross. Like he's crucified. He's all tied up, and they left him up there. He's up in the ceiling. And he comes down from the ceiling. Sydney's getting ready to release him. And that's where Mickey starts messing with her head again. Could it be boyfriend killer? Boyfriend killer. Derek, my partner here. Whatever. He starts getting in her head. And we think that maybe, just maybe... Derek is his partner. He says, you know, I got a partner. I got to have a partner. I couldn't have done this all on my own. So Cindy backs off of him, whatever. Derek says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Mickey pulls out a gun and shoots him dead. Shoots him right in the heart on the cross. Yep. He dies right there. Yep. And then something By else the way, happens. Possibly the only gunshot death from a killer right. in this franchise so far. So at that point, there's something else that happens. He goes, well, who could that be? Could it be the second killer? Like that sort of a thing. The door opens on a little set piece that's behind them, and out walks Gail. Yeah. And for a split second, you're like, "Oh shit, Gail's you the think killer." Gail is the second killer. Not so much because shortly after that, just a second or two later, we find out it's Debbie, Debbie Salt, who is actually Mrs. Loomis, Billy Loomis's mom, who had gotten quite the makeover. Yeah, and she was, and by the way, still recognized by Nev Campbell. Yes. Sydney recognizes exactly who she is. She takes her a second. Takes her a second, but after a second, she's like, she puts it together. Yeah. Big makeover. Yeah. But she she definitely recognizes who it is. Yeah. Uh, You know, Gail, somewhere there doesn't Gail get pistol whipped. We have never seen Mrs. Loomis. Right, right, right. But doesn't Gail get pistol whipped somewhere in the. In the in the ensuing, um, she doesn't get pistol whipped, but something happens. She's trying to get away. Mickey gets uh, Debbie Salt shoots Mickey. Yes, and as he's going down, he shoots off like a stray bullet, and it gets Gale. Yeah, she flies I, off I the stage. She, yeah, she, she gets she hit in the rip. Rip, Whatever. So then we have our you final showdown. She's dead. Yeah. So we have our final showdown, if you will, with uh, Mrs. Loomis and uh, Sydney, and of course the hero of the movie, technically Cotton Weary. Cotton shows up. 
and he's still kind of a red herring at this point right but cotton fucking shoots (laughs) shoots mrs loomis like straight on and he's just like oh and he drops it i love how he drops it it was intense oh oh my god that was intense and he's just like oh man i I think i killed somebody (laughs) and and, and, and sydney's like don't worry cotton it's fine and he's just like (laughs) give me the gun cotton he's like he's he's all like oh he's he's kind of freaking (laughs) out it's hilarious in in a way how much he's freaking out (laughs) and of course she takes the gun and and you find out what a good guy cotton really is yes cotton was actually trying he had the best of intents he did and we just the whole movie long we don't think he does and you know he he ends up up being the hero of the movie kind of because just like her son she tries to make a comeback and well she doesn't even make a comeback oh no is it mickey that makes a comeback sydney shoots her in the head anyway just in case and that's when mickey jumps Jumps up up and then and they fill him full of bullets there's not one shot on him they they just fucking fire people yeah all three of them are emptying clips (laughs) on that dude Yes, because Gail has reemerged. From that. Yeah, the Gail stage. is now Gail. Gail comes. That's why I was going with. Her. Yeah, she's she's like I'm not taking. It. Yeah, because she takes a gun from Cotton, shoots it, shoots her in the head, and goes, I'm not taking any chances this right. time. And then Mickey jumps up. And is like ah, and they literally she turns around and she lights him up. And at that time, Gail's up and she has a gun. She lights right. him up. They're just emptying clips on Mickey. He's yeah. done. Now, unlike Stu Macher, I'm going to say the Mickey did not survive this ordeal. I'm going to say also Mrs. Loomis did not survive. <laughs> Probably that was a, not. That was a well-placed bullet between her eyes. Yeah, I just think like she was Billy already Loomis. dead. But... Yeah, yeah, just like Billy Loomis, shot between the eyes. Yeah. Like, like even if she wasn't dead from the first shot that I do believe entered her, her back and probably went through her heart, uh, the second shot was definitely right between the eyes. Yeah. Just to make sure. I think, she's, I think it's safe to say both of the killers in this movie are not making a return. <laughs> By the way, funny story about this movie. This this ties in because of everything, obviously. But if you think about it, this does not tie into the Scream Three movie, like the right. the, the the overall plot arc that we find. There's out. very little mention about it. They talk about the Windsor killings like once, right? In Scream but, Three, but it is. But I just like a peek behind the curtain. Obviously, forgotten. next the the following week we'll be talking about Scream Three. Uh, there is uh, the the killer of Scream Three because I don't want to give it away before we talk about. It. Even though it's all, I'm sure you guys all know. But the killer of Scream 3 is, you find out, is masterminded a lot of things. But this is not one of them. Right. Like, this events as a whole is not one of them. Yeah, this is a revenge So this is a revenge angle from, Loomis, or from Mrs. Loomis. And then, of course, Mickey is just crazy. He's her lapdog. He's A, he's crazy. She met him in a serial killer and B, chat he room. wants to be famous. Yeah. that's He wants to be famous. But she mentions how she met him in a serial killer chat yeah. room. Yeah, and he also has the hots for her. There's, there's definitely a sexual there's element going on, yeah. if you notice. And then she kills him. <laughs> well, yeah. she thinks she kills him. But like Stu was Billy's lapdog, he is oh, Mrs. Loomis's lapdog. Absolutely. But yeah, it's it's just interesting in the grander scheme of things. It is the first out of the first three movies that technically, it ties in because it all ties in. Let's be honest. They're all a right. part of the movie. But this was not the mastermind of three. It, you find out, and we'll talk about it next week, is the mastermind technically of one as well. Correct. And he is not the mastermind of this at all. Right. Which is weird. But it works. So, Mike C., you ready to find out what the rest of the internet gave I can't to? wait. So, IMDb gave it a 6.2 out of 10. TV Guide gave it a 63% out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes, 81% out of 100. Pretty high. I think and that was higher than the first one. It was one. higher than the first one. Because the first one was 78% out yeah. of Rotten Tomatoes. And Google users also higher, 88%. Wow. So Scream 2 is a, a very popular movie in the series. And I will say this. This is a great sequel movie. We find out, we already let it the cow out of the bag, that this is a trilogy. This, Actually, 
Now it's a quadrilogy. Now it's quadrilogy. Like, about sync, to be a sync, sync, quadrilogy. Quintrilogy. 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 I don't even know. Quintology. Quintology. I don't even know. I don't even know how to call it. But anyways, this is actually the second. In, in the original terms of Wes Craven, this was the second of a trilogy. Correct. Uh, we'll find out. We'll talk about that next week because that's a very big positive about one of the things that happens in next in, in Scream Three. But uh, this is a great sequel. Uh, I do like it a lot. I I don't think it's quite Psycho Two. Where Psycho yeah. 2 is like one of the most phenomenal, which by the way, I'm upset that they didn't bring that up in that class. Yeah, that because Psycho 2 is a phenomenal movie in its own. Mind you, for, what was it, 30 years later? No, uh, 20 years. 20 years later. Because it was 80. Yes, 26. Yeah, 20, 26. Later. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. But, anyways. A movie that did not need a sequel, mind you. So, for the things we said, there's a lot of plot holes that, like, some of them are mini, some of them are major. Uh, overall, I'd have to deduct for that. Uh, there was a couple like why the fuck moments that right. I didn't have in the first, but with that being said, the fill is still there. This is a, uh, also I want to the one thing that we didn't point out earlier. This movie has far less humor. Like there's humor in this movie, but think about it. The first one is 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 got a lot more humor. This one pulls back the humor quite a bit from the original. Yeah, because like in comparison. You have it a little bit early on in the movie when Randy's still alive in it, but you kill Randy off halfway through it. You lose that aspect of it. The, the rest thing, of it kind of comes between Dewey and, and I was going to say the the Gale. only the only humor after that is like the weird relationship between them two because yeah. they they've they've they had a relationship, started dating, and then broke it off. Right. And then the other thing that you have is the physical comedy of David Arquette. Yeah. And by the way, at the end of the movie, we find out he's alive. <laughs> yeah. Again. Again. <laughs> he is he is worse for wear, but yeah. he's fucking alive. Some old uh, scar tissue saved his life. Yeah, pretty much. As he's being stretched out, they're like, oh my God, he's alive. Like, he just never dies. Let's be honest. Every movie, he gets fucked up and he never dies. Uh, so anyways, going back to this. Uh, with all that being said, and mind you, that's not a big detraction, by the way, of the humor. I just thought that it's an interesting fact that the humor works so well in the original and they kind of pulled it back way far back, which is fine. That's fine. Uh, overall, though, I still love this movie. Still a great movie. I, can't, you know, I gave the original a nine. I have, like I said, with deducting some points. You know, I, I feel I'm gonna give this an eight out of ten. I think it's it's not uh, it's not horrible. This is one it, on its own, it is a great horror movie. However, it doesn't quite match up to the original, so it has to have a less score than the original, in right. my opinion. And that's how I review movies. So I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. Still a great watch. Once again, great series. Uh, yeah, so I also agree, you know, it doesn't quite, you know, live up to its predecessor, but it, it, to me, it is one of the best horror movie sequels ever made. Oh, I agree. Um, it's up there with Psycho 2. Not quite it, Psycho 2, but there. it's up there. It's definitely up there. Evil Dead 2, you know, yeah. the, you got Aliens, you, you got all these other sequels, these horror movie sequels that are great. Jaws, this is Jaws the Revenge. Them. Jaws the Revenge. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Jaws 3 and Jaws the Revenge. Yeah. Which yeah. one's worse, do you think? Jaws 3. I actually you know think what? Jaws 4 is better than Jaws 3. Honestly, I'm, I think I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. We'll have to review that at some point, Juncture, but I think Jaws I agree Jaws 3 is you. unwatchable. Jaws 4 is just stupid. Yeah, I agree. I think I have to agree with you. But <laughs> I, Honestly, right off the top of my head, I think I have to agree with you. You're a revenge shark. Revenge shark. <laughs> Knows they're on that an makes, airplane in the Bahamas. T, that makes T-Rex noises. Yeah. yeah. It was the uh, the uh, MGM lion. Yes, pretty much. But anyways, continue. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now. With yeah, I that. distracted you. I'm sorry, but uh, that's a whole other thing. I can't wait. This we, summer we, we should. This do the upcoming Jaws summer movies. we're gonna do Jaws movies. I promise. We're doing <laughs> so, Jaws movies. Talk about a franchise that has a deep drop off. Wow. One is great. Two is still I like good. Two. two is still really good. 
And then it's just like, whew. yeah, let's hope to God they don't do anything more there. But, um, you know, it's it's it is definitely one of the better sequels that have ever been made, in my opinion. Uh, it just doesn't live up to the first one. And how could it? You know, Scream is I also gave Scream a nine out of ten. Uh, for this one, you gave it, what, 8 out of 10? 8 out of 10. We're close again. I'm actually going to give this one, and it's a very, very strong one, but I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. It's still close. So still very close. close. Just a little bit less than yours, just because there was a couple of things that just I make think it I, not quite as good. I think I give it a little extra points for some of the uniqueness, i.e. the yeah. daytime kill in yeah. public. Like, that really actually gave it some points that it could have lost. I could have been right with you at a 7.5. Even, I could even have saw a 7 right. if I really made the argument. But I really think I gave extra points for that because that was ballsy and also the party scene. Right. And like, I just the wanna... ballsy... There's some ballsy scenes in this movie. Right. There's, there's times that I actually... It, like these movies were just on like over and over again on AMC during uh, Fear Fest in October, and I watched them every time they were on. There's times that I actually would rather watch two than the first one. It's just there's something fun about it. I like I, there is it's as much whimsical. As, as much as I don't like it as much as the first one, at times I actually like it more. I, I prefer to watch it. It's it's very very close to the first one. It just isn't quite as good. Hear me out. I think I could. I think I know why. Even though there's not as much humor in the second one. I think feel like you. It feels like a less serious movie than the original. Yeah. The original, even though there's a ton of humor in it, there's a real darkness to it. Yeah. There's a real like like the kills are way more brutal in the original. Let's be honest. Right. So like this movie, it peels back the the humor, but it also peels back some of the brutalness as well. Like a lot of the kills in this movie, and I like this about it, are very human. Yeah. They're very like 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 even though we were kind of picking on it, the, the Jada Pinkett Smith going on stage and like screaming for her life after being stabbed in her guts probably a good fifteen right. times. You know, one thing I want to add to that scene too. I mean, we've talked about that scene quite a bit here, but talk about life imitating art. People were so excited to see Scream Two when it came out. You got all these people that are all whipped up in the movie theater and all excited. And nobody notices somebody cheering being murdered. when it comes on. Yeah, no, I'm the, talking about like us yeah. in real life. Yeah. We're all sitting there, we're all cheering it on, we're all excited for this movie to come on. And what's the first thing you see people that are in a movie theater going crazy all excited to watch stab right. it was life imitating but also art. also it's, it's it's in the middle of a lot of people like oh, she's yeah. murdered and a bunch of people are around right. and nobody can do nothing but we're all watching this yeah. movie watching a scene that's just like what we're watching you know and yeah. very creative very so creative. as much as there are there are loop uh, plot holes in that scene at the same time it's kind of neat that when it opens up you're actually watching you know the same thing is happening in the movie as what's happening, you know, while you're sitting there. It, nobody dies, obviously, in your movie theater, I hope. But, you know, it's it's life imitating art. Well, with that being said, that is our review of Scream 2. Of course, if you have a differing opinion or you want to or, or you have the same opinion or you want to just throw your two cents in, we always love hearing from you guys. Make sure you hit us up on the social medias. We are HorrorZone607 on Facebook. Like and share the page at HorrorZone607 on Twitter and Instagram, hashtag HZ607, whenever talking about the show. Of course, 8122productions.com has your hookup for all information about HorrorZone607, the Three Fat Nerds podcast, 607TWS, and more. You can go there and find out about the music, the, the groups that give us our music, friends of the show like the Ocho Dura Parley Hour podcast. Of course, also local sponsors. Also, the link to the T Public store is there. Go and uh, get some uh, HorrorZone merch. More to come in the next coming months. Uh, as well as Three Fat Nerds merch, 607 Podcast merch, the whole gambit right over there at the T Public store. And it also helps support the show. Plus, you get pretty cool swag along with it. Of course, also, uh, the Twitch link, twitch.tv slash 607 podcast is in full effect. Uh, make sure you're checking that out and following there as well. And of course, if the link to Patreon is there as well for a dollar a month, you can join us and get a ton of extra bonus content, content patreon.com slash 
812 Productions. All of those links and more are at 8122productions.com. Also, they're all in the liner notes of this show. Makes it easy for them, Mike. They can just click on it. Boom, there it is. Spooky Mike C, though. That's all I got for him. Take these fine folks home. Thank you, Rich. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. We hope you're enjoying Stabathon so far. We're already halfway through it. Next week, we will be talking about Scream 3. So we will be back doing that. Next week, we're also going to have news. It's time. The holidays are going to be over. It is time to bring back We're going to be news. back. We're going to be back from vacation, Beardy We Marsh. will that's, be back that's, from that's, vacation. That's absolute guarantee and promise. So that's going to be good. So we got you know even more to talk about there. Ooh. So We should tease it. Next week, we'll also be giving out the horror movies we're anticipating in uh, 2022. That's right. So that's going to be on this show, too. Like, we're talking to our future selves right now. We are. You don't understand. This is right up there with Amityville. It's about time. We are we are literally <laughs> talking to our future selves. You guys, like I said, when you got like I said in the open, when you guys hear this, I will be in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Mike C may may or may not be in New Jersey visiting his family as well, which is kind of a weird thing that we'll be in the same state. Uh, they don't live in Jersey; they're Poughkeepsie oh, area. Uh, oh, I forgot that they were in Poughkeepsie. Kapoopsie. Well, you're still close to me. Yeah, close you enough. Could, you could, could jump over to the border. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, we're going to be out of either town. Either way, I'm going to be walk, either, watching Dick's balls drop. Either way, we're going to be out of town. That's how you know we didn't talk about this prehand. <laughs> uh, but you know what? You're always going to be with us. You fans, you're in our hearts. We're happy to have done a whole another year of Horror Zone 607. I know, Three years. I know our anniversary is in October, but also this is this marks a year. I mean, we've been doing, we're 28, we've, we celebrated, uh, our first episode was in 2018. We celebrated the, the rest of that because it was October. We celebrated 2019 with you. We've celebrated 2020 and the shit year that was, and now 2021. We're, we've made it through two gone, full pandemics yeah. years. And now yeah. guess what? We're going into 2022. It's a new year. It's more horror. More horror we can handle. Hopefully, you know, Halloween ends is better than Halloween kills. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe evil dies that night. Maybe evil does die. And there's so much more coming out, but we can't wait to talk. But once again, I got to say happy new year to everybody. And uh, yeah, Mike, I, I hijacked that for a minute because I just wanted to let people know what we're doing. But I'm, from the bottom of my heart, from everybody here at 8122 Productions. We are so excited to keep bringing you all of the products we bring you, the streams, the podcasts, everything we've done. And uh, we're looking forward to another year of celebrations, another year of milestones. And it looks like the year that we return to conventions. I mean, I know that we went to, I went to New York Comic Con and covered it, but we're going to be returning to some smaller conventions, some larger conventions. I can't wait for it. I can't wait to celebrate the new year with all of you fine folks and hopefully see some of you in person again. So uh, with that, Mike, take it away. All right. Everybody out there. Please, please, if you go out on New Year's, drive responsibly. Everybody be safe. Everybody be happy and healthy. Until next week, for Rich, I'm Spooky Mike. Say it, see